Good cold December morning to you all, and welcome to the Excalibros. Yay! Merry Christmas-ish, sort of. I put all my trees up. I put my tree up and all my decorations, so to me it's Christmas now. Christmas time. <laughs> all I can see now is Cliff Richards, like, weirdly rocking backwards and forwards. I'm seeing Christmas time. There's a... You ever you ever watch Community? Yes. There's a great Christmas episode where they they decide they're all going to join Glee Club, and it, oh it, god, yeah. And at the end, they let Britta come out and sing, and she does like the worst Christmas song ever. And that's the only Christmas song I want to hear right now. <laughs> right. So our Christmas song selection because we always put Christmas songs on while we do the tree. It's because Ian had choice of the music. We ended up listening to Hatsune Miku's uh, Christmas collection at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, um, we knew what they were, we knew the words, because it was just jingle bells and all that, but obviously it was just all in Japanese and hyper, sort of, high-pitched Miku voice. It was kind of hilarious. And then um, halfway through, I was like, can we switch to, like, um, when we put the, the tinsel on, can we switch to something slightly different? (laughs) Because <laughs> it's kind of turning me insane. I feel like I'm going insane. I bet. I feel like I'm. I'm I feel like I'm, I have. I'm. I'm in like an arcade trying to do a dance match with with Miku. <laughs> um, but it was quite fun to be fair. So yes. Merry, merry yeah, merry, merry, merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah. Um, happy everything. Yeah. So. Uh, enjoy. I'm sorry. I said enjoy the. December while it lasts. <laughs> that sounded a little <laughs> ominous. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're, here, we're here to cover our normal three books. We've got two uh, issues of Exiles and one issue of Excalibur to get through. Uh, I think we've, we seem to luck out and get a lot of uh, thematical threads reading this just by chance. And I think we have another sort of thematical element to talk about here with our Exiles books. Uh, so why don't we start off there, Dan, with Exiles number 12. Exiles number 12. So after 12 issues, um, we have a front cover with none of our main characters on. Um, so we have this stark black background, and we have this new cast uh, who are doing the same poses as our old cast on the first issue. Um, we have Vision, uh, Storm, Deadpool, Sabretooth in the middle... A spider character, which we'll explain later, um, in the bottom right corner, and She-Hulk with um, a nice short haircut, and it is just a simple team shot. Yeah, obviously. So obviously, and... we saw like a portion of this team in a previous issue. Yes, um, we. I remember Sabretooth was definitely there. Deadpool was there, but he had some sort of cybernetic attachments, which either they're retconning or maybe he lost. In some sort of battle, who knows? Uh, but there's a little bit of change there, and I think there was a third person, like in a in a tree, uh, with them as they're yes, watching. He's mentioned in the book. Um, he's mentioned as one of the one of the people that used to be on the team. Who was that again? It's um, he's called Kane. Right. He's a weapon, dude. Right. Um. Because so, why not? Um. Completely inoffensive cover. In fact, this team is kind of, apart from, I hate what Storm wears, but the rest of the team 
makes like um actually the inclusion of storm is fine it's just what she wears um so yes intrigue abounds it would seem as we start our issue 12 with these <clears throat> uh group of unknowns teleporting into a wasted city and we find out that they're called weapon x and of course we have to say to the spider creature is called the spider is peter parker full-on symbion it looks like Yep. And um, everyone is, as they say, um, Storm only likes wearing ribbons to cover all of her modesty um, and the most terrible costume I've ever seen Storm wear. Um, I really like the design of She-Hulk, though. I don't know why. I think it just works for me with the tattoos and and such forth. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously Deadpool has a giant gun because it's Weapon X. Right. So they're stood around. And this is where we get a little bit of backstory and I quite appreciate um, what Winnick does here, where he just trickles out some of their backstory. They, they clearly have had a harsher time than our exiles, um, it would seem, or more of them have died in their travels than their exiles. Because talk, they talk about um, how Vision is the newest replacement and that he's so useful and it's better than um, who came, like Kane, the last person they had. And we see that um, Vision has detected more life signs in the vicinity and it ends up being our, our merry exiles. So before and, we get into that, I need I need to go over, and I, I took a screenshot of this and posted it on Twitter, but this vision pose uh, where he's he's scanning with his arms to the side and his back arched and his head like cocked off to the right is one of maybe the all-time greatest superhero poses ever. I don't know what's going on with his hands. Or, or or why this he feels like this is a natural way to pose, but this thing is this is epic. It is quite like so I feel like he's a very operatic vision and everything he does is over the top. Have you seen his costume? Like generally his costume is so like there's too many lines. Yeah. <laughs> so many lines. Um why does he have like not only does he have armor on his cape Oh no I think his cape's got... Oh my god, I think his cape's got holes so his shoulders can push through. Because if you look on the on the page of them all together, it looks like he's got... They've got the cape's got like these three sort of armoured Right, plates. right, right. And then if you look on the next page while he's doing his astonishing scanning pose, the armoured plates are actually part of his actual sort of body. So does the cape have holes in it? No, because there are other pretty- panels where there aren't holes. I think it's just a colouring mistake, maybe. I don't mind. I don't care. In my head, the, in my head, he phases, <laughs> in my head, he phases the plates through so he can look even more ridiculous. Sure. Um, so I wanted to talk about that pose, and then also, uh, this Peter Parker has like these two like modules on his cheeks that are sticking out. I don't know. Maybe the breathing apparatus. Like a. <laughs> they make no sense, to, do they? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, in one panel they look like they're sort of down by his cheeks, almost at his mouth. And another panel, it looks like they're supposed to be ears. So yeah. I'm not really quite certain what those are. And, you know, the costume design, I mean, it's 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 okay, I guess. But those those really stick out as, as like, wise to me. Yeah, they, they seem like a really odd choice. Like, I think the costume design of it just having this sort of cracked black, like full red but cracked black sort of line with webbing mm-hmm. makes more sense than these weird... Chain, oh, yeah, chain. yeah. Because, like, I think, um, out of all of them, I think Deadpool looks really anemic. Because he's just two turns. 
Yeah. And it's it, it's really sort of quite an anemic design. I know it's classic Deadpool, like facially, but it just looks really anemic compared to the rest. Like the rest seem to have a little bit of even Storm have a little bit of life to them. Right. But yes, anyway. Um, yeah, the other thing I want to mention while talking Deadpool is this is Deadpool before it became full-on comedy character. Uh, yeah. So that was like a, almost like a whiplash for me for a second. Like, oh, yeah, Deadpool wasn't always like a, a Looney Tunes character. He actually was like a <laughs> a mean mercenary for a while. Forgot about that. Yes, well, we're, we're in different waters now. Yes. Um, I do really like the uh, picture of the Vision flying with his eyes glowing. Yes, that panel, it screams classic Avengers to me. Yeah, it's a great um, panel. Great panel. And I do like the fact that the Weapon X team, with the addition of Spidey, Vision, and She-Hulk, are not exclusively X-Men. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a nice is a nice like sort of um, corruption of the of the Exiles idea, and I suppose that's at the heart of the difference between them both. Um, so before we get any further, yes. Dan, I'm, I'm sorry. We should probably uh, shout out the uh, creators here before we forget. Oh yes, I'm being really rude. Um, what does it say in your book? Because obviously, I just said obviously Judd Riddick, uh right is the writer, and I think looking at the pencils um, for mine, I think it's um, Mike McCone. Yeah, if you look at the splash page of Weapon X, you'll see everyone listed there. Because uh, if you look at Marvel Unlimited, they don't mention anyone at all, really. Uh, but yeah, my, got... my book, my, my book lifts it and just puts it in the front page, so okay. there's not in it. Yeah, it's definitely Mike McCone. Mike McCone, pencils, it. inks. We got John Holdridge, colors, transparency, yeah. digital, letters, Paul Tutrone, uh, and that will be it. There you go. Alrighty. Well, the colors, the colors are getting better. Transparency are doing. A better job than when it first started. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, vision they, well, panel is, is one of those shout outs. But they do they do because of the lack of what they've done with Deadpool, I think that sort of shows their what they did at the originally, where yes, the colour yes. was really flat. Yeah. So it's such a weird sort of juxtaposition having like nice panels then. Um anyway. So our team blinks in and Morph is Nick Fury now and it's the best thing ever. Um yeah, I love hearing off. And these couple of panels is quite fun. Where our exiles jump in, they're, they're bitching about the last mission. They turn around, see the other guys. They're a bit shocked. And then the other guys see them, and then Nick Fury Morph decides to wear um, sort of a bushy bra and um, <laughs> knickers, basically, because yeah. it's because uh, it's apparently freaking weird. Yeah. And then we get then we get the reunion between. Um, Blink and Sabretooth. That if I don't know if we've covered it before or the books have covered it before, but in Age of Apocalypse, Sabretooth was the surrogate father to Blink, and this is the same Sabretooth. So, having a nice little reunion. Um, Very different Sabretooth than what we're used to. Yes, the I really like the Age of Apocalypse Sabretooth. I thought he was um, a better Wolverine than Wolverine never was. <laughs> wow! Shots fired. <laughs> But anyway, um, the only person that seems to have an issue is uh, Mariko. Um, she seems to, what's the word she uses, has a woogie. I don't even know what woogie means. And that's another um, panel I had to screen grab and, and post on Twitter because she has woogie feelings. Yes. I, I just love, I love 
I want to I want to believe that Calvin is just saying it's so straight laced back. He's um I I'm a little woogie too. I feel like he's just saying it like full on serious. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the face the face is like full serious. Um, I'm gonna shout out that this is some of the best work or the most tight the tightest work McCona's done on the book for in a while. Um, yeah. He's really fleshing out the backgrounds. Characters look quite um, fleshed out and unique. And I got a shout out of Vision's shoulder panels because the, the shoulder pads are on every panel now. Yeah, yeah, um, they are. Okay, so it makes no sense. And so the team sort of mingles and Morph's going through various uh, stages of dress. Um, Magneto Morph and Gen- Generalissimo Morph is also quite hilarious. And then we get the moment where... Um, our newest member, Sasquatch, gets a little bit gets a we get a big reveal, which is her shape shifting back into her human form. And I don't know how to take these panels. Um, yeah, this was like the yeah this this stuck out for me. For sure. I don't know because I love the fact that it's because it's obviously um, multiverse multiverses. Um, so this is Heather Hudson from Alpha Flight. Um, mm. In the normal universe, she's white and ginger, I think. Um, or something like that. But in this, she's um, she's black, and she apparently is super. It's super shocking to um, Storm, Spider, and She-Hulk. Um, and she says, "So what's the shock that I'm a woman or I'm black?" Black, and obviously Spider says "woman," and She-Hulk says "black," and then Storm's just like, "I have no earthly idea who you are," which is supposed to be the joke. Yes, I imagine. Yes. Um, which doesn't it kind of lands kind of like that line in the first X Men movie about lightning toads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> See, I can understand Star. Peter Parker being surprised that it's a woman. Like I can get yeah. that. It's the I'm surprised you're black comment from She Hulk that was like really. Is it because the Sasquatch is white? Because that's really racist. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I know it's supposed to be played for last, but uh, it feels a bit uncomfortable. Um, and I like the fact that Morph is actually shapeshift into Heather, like the original. <laughs> yeah, like that he was the with That's the plaid it. shirt on as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love I love the fact that I love this Heather. By the way, going forward, she slowly becomes one of my favorite characters, especially way down in the line. Um, so she's got spoiler a of- alert! I guess she's sticking around for a while. Yes, she's sticking around. Some of them don't. Some of them do. But who knows who lives and dies. But yes, so we get a bit more of an emotional backstory. Um, Blink and Sabretooth have a nice heart-to-heart. TJ's still mourning the loss of John, and Marika's trying to sort of comfort her, but she doesn't want any of it. And And what do we learn about uh, the baby? Another... And in a really harsh fact that she's lost it, which I feel is a bit. I always, I've always found that story decision to be a bit too harsh on her. If that makes sense. Yeah, and it um, also sort of just it's it's harsh on her, but from a storytelling element, is a very convenient way to sort of wipe away her past and let her sort of continue on, almost retconned. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no remains of her previous relationship or. Or her love, or, or anything she's gonna have to take with her because of her past. It's it's all wiped clean now. We don't even have to deal with that. I think it's one of those ugly moments where um, they may have argued, or it may have always been Winnick, or someone in editorial 
that's like we can't have one of them pregnant because what is that how do we write that or mm-hmm. how does that sell to an audience it's like um like spider woman was it such a unique superhero book right um for for her for her being pregnant at one point um it's something you don't see and i thought i think as a it would be more interesting that this marooned group of people have to have to like sort of live with the idea that she's going to have a baby at some point. Exactly. But I think that could also be something for the team to rally around, you know? Exactly. And like that gives a lot of potential and even a second generation of exiles, essentially born into it. Or maybe she had a reward. Her reward is when she had the baby, she gets to go back to her reality. Right. You know what I mean? It could have been anything, but I think this is really harsh. And like you said, it is a retcon, and I think I feel like she's gone through so much, bless her. And she's just, and then I think in the next couple of issues, she's it, almost as if none of it ever happened. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> I, just, I just think it's really mean. Um, and as we carry on, though, um, obviously, um, Morph's delighted that it's bringing him hope. Uh, Wizard Morph, anyway, is happy that there's a new group um, with things in common, but. Heather is still a bit unsure, especially when she talks about that this Weapon X's missions, where they crippled Doctor Strange, blew up the Avengers Mansion, uh, killed the Morlocks, uh, murdered Tony Stark, um, painting a picture that the uh, Weapon X aren't as nice or as they seem, and right. that's when we get um, we get our mission from the Talus, the Talises, the Talises, Talai, <laughs> the Talai. That's a better one. Uh, the Talai, I hate Sabertooth. It looks like a looking mirror, like a makeup mirror. Yeah, I don't like it. Really you lazy. You know, likey. Um, so their mission is to save um, sort of Franklin Richards and Rachel Summers' child. Is it David? Yeah, David uh, Richards. Because in this world, uh, the, the world has been taken over by Sentinels who have captured not just mutants, but anyone with any sort of powers at all. Exactly, and these sentinels have amazing faces and horrible bodies. And they have like knit <laughs> caps on. Yes, they have knitted caps on, which is even better. Uh, their faces look like sort of disgruntled robots from the fifties, <laughs> uh, but their bodies make no sense to me. But yes, so the exiles jump into action uh, with Weapon X, and they go on they're on their merry way to save young David. Um. A lot of action ensues. We have everyone doing everything. Storm. Um, I don't know what's going on in that panel with Mimic because his claws make no sense. No. At all. Um, so everyone's doing it and they find a mass group of kids, which reminds Cl- Clarice of what happened to her as a child. So she decides to save everyone. And the whole team gets back. And everyone's happy, everyone's looking after the kids until unfortunately the Talisans decide to tell Sabretooth and Blink that what they actually have to do is kill David Richards for this reality to be fixed. The end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Surprise. So we so, kind of jumped through a lot of the, the action here, but I, I kind of enjoyed uh, how they, the narration panels are like, well. It's it's like a hundred sentinels versus twelve, you know, super powered killers. So uh, it's kind of even odds. So we just they, they decided to just like go at it, and I I kind of <laughs> liked how they didn't overdo it. It was just like okay, we're just gonna have some fighting for a while. Let's not overthink it, and let's just show them fighting. And I kind of enjoyed that. 
even though these sentinels have imprisoned every other superpower on the planet. Um, sure. But let's not talk about that. Um, I actually quite liked it. I think, obviously, um, it's a bit heavy-handed in the exiles are good, these guys are psychotic, mm-hmm. the moral quandary is, will the kid die? That's your cliffhanger for, for next issue. Um, I think that's a bit heavy-handed. Sure. Um, I, I think Woogie feeling a bit off with them is enough. I don't know if you needed Heather to be like, oh, they've, they've, they've killed loads of people. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, And they seem really proud of it. Um, I like the emotional callbacks to like Blink's past. I, I, I quite like the inter- interaction between Blink and Sabretooth. I'm not fond of what's happened to TJ. I think the whole Heather being that Heather reveal was handled really poorly. But on the whole, I think it's actually not a bad first part of the story. Yeah, I kind of um, liked it. Yeah, I think everyone... Because all the Weapon X guys, aside from maybe Deadpool, feel quite unique. Um, and they play quite well with the Exiles. And there's enough character story for, for people following on. Um, so it doesn't sort of drop off. I think artistically, it's quite tight. Not many panels slack off. We have had issues where McCone does like two really good panels and six really shit ones. Yeah. So, as far nice as the artwork him. goes, you know, my big issue is still he doesn't know how to draw Asian people. So, Mariko still comes off as like almost not quite human in the face sometimes. Um, yeah. And I don't think he's decided on how long TJ's ears are either. Yeah. Um, I think they change shape and size all the time. Yeah. Much like Blink. Much like Blinks. Pointy ears are a problem. And I do think there's one panel which makes um, Storm look like um, like ripped as hell. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. She's really slight. She's really slight and slender in every other panel. And then there's this one panel where she's conjuring. Yes. Maybe that's her powers in that dimension. Her, she like jacks up to uh, conjure a Storm. Sure. But so, um, on the whole, yeah. not bad. Yeah. There, there are a couple... Other things I want to bring up. Um, so number one is our exiles talk about how they've been on a couple other missions. So we're sort of joining them. Uh, they've had you know some minor missions in between the last issue. So there's already some sort of rapport between uh, the new uh, character and our sort of returning exiles. Um, so yeah. that was kind of a surprise. I thought we were going to get uh, you know more of an introduction to uh i always want to call it wendigo which is obviously not the right um word sasquatch yeah sasquatch uh, so we're just sort of thrown thrown in to her here which was kind of a surprise um what would you think about that um obviously i think last issue was like a flashback wasn't it when everyone was happy so we've actually had two two issues since she's been revealed so I feel further down the line, she gets more character development. But yeah, maybe a little bit more sort of. I suppose it's because they want to hit the ground running with this storyline. Story yeah, and I'm, I'm not like upset about it. It was just like a surprise. I thought we were going to sort of, oh, the team's adjusting to her. We're going to find out more about her. It's like, nope, they've already done like three other missions in between panels here. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do. There's a part of me that does wish. Um, she was actually black. It's the color color work doesn't really. There's a lot of white shading on her. Yeah. 
to look sort of like a, a muted grey. Like I'm, I'm, I read a comic recently which was New X, New New Mutants, um, sort of mid two thousands when uh, Necrotia, I think, is the storyline was coming out, and um, Roberto in that uh, Sunspot is not black, mm-hmm. and I'm like, isn't he supposed to be black? <laughs> like he just looks like sort of slightly more tanned, and I yeah. think it's important because Storm doesn't really look that black either to be fair I know and it's kind of it's just I just I don't know I know not everything can be like um uh when Black Panther first came up when they relaunched Black Panther and people were actually black for once and different shades of black right uh, I know time constraints but I was kind of like mm-hmm. we know she's black it's just it's a shame that she's not it just—it's just the way transparency digital has coloured her. Yeah, exactly. It's too many white spot, like white places on her, for some reason. So there's, there's supposed uh, to be sunshine. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's uh, getting hit by the sun a little bit too much there. I don't think that's how skin works. But um, there's that. I don't quite like the way that they draw saber tooth. Um, I don't know. He feels a little bit too much like an old man and not enough like danger in him, especially in the yeah. face. Uh, you just look a little, just look a little, little bored most of the time. Yeah, there's that. Um, a couple of the things I want to bring up, and then I'm not trying to be nitpicky. They're just things I noticed and I just wanted to discuss. But um, we see Cal jumping into fighting, and it almost looks like he has cannonball powers here, uh, in the way that he's blasting off. Uh, is yeah, that... I don't... it's supposed to be North Star, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. like... Yeah, I don't get that. Is that just to give it a sense of motion? That, to be honest, that panel really—I don't get the claws, the, the the speed from his boots, and yeah, it doesn't make any sense. His soul patches all over the place as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to make sure we, I didn't miss something. Like I didn't think he got those powers, but let me check in with Dan. Um, yeah, and. <laughs> Like another another thing about Cal is um, there's a panel with him and um, Sunfire. And it looks like he's phasing through the robot. Yeah, and he's yeah, got it does. this giant, giant. It's got this goggles always been that massive. Like, mm, I mean, they're kind of big. He doesn't usually he, like he'll wear them, and then in a panel later, he won't have them on again. So it's that's the odd part for me. They're on and off. Yeah. Well, talking <laughs> about big. Spoilers, talking about his goggles, that'll be a massive talking point about the next issue's cover. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, don't look at it now. I want you to I want you to be surprised at, at, the, at the, the image when you first see it. Okay. Um, so I, I just flipped the page and I instantly saw it and I was like, holy moly. Um, All right, I'll save, I'll save myself. <laughs> and the other artistic thing I want to talk about was this, um, on the same panel where... Uh, Sorry, the same page where Cal has the giant goggles. We've got the spider on the right uh, shooting his web. And I just want to talk about how, how that was rendered artistically because he, I guess he's wearing the Carnage symbiote or is it the regular symbiote? I mean, I don't know if we even get any backstory from this guy. But it's a red symbiote and he's shooting sort of the webbing out of his fingertips. And it almost looks like he's just sort of bleeding uh, like explosively as a power from his fingertips i just yeah. wanted to talk about how you felt about how about this i'm a, right so um i can't remember if we see him much anymore after this two-parter um i can't remember 
but I feel like he's really gr- like the best way to describe him is gross. Yeah. Like he feels. I, I'm sure he's kind of like a gross, horrible. He's the worst of them all as well. I'm sure he's like the proper psycho of out of the the group. And I feel like he um he is wearing carnage, right? As opposed to venom, and it does look like blood. But I think it kind of weirdly works because I feel like he's horrific. He's supposed to be like, like the way they've drawn him. He looks like a horror character or a horror version of of Spidey. So I'm feeling I'm feeling like he's supposed to do that, mm-hmm. and it kind of works. The problem for me though is the coloring of it. Yeah, it's a completely different color. I know it's webbing, but it is a completely different color to his actual uh, body. I think if they kept the color, and then it's got like this weird sheen to it to make it look like it's almost not part of the panel um, in places because it's not the back one's not that defined. Like, yeah, the, yeah. No my way. problem is it's not defined. It's almost just like, <clears throat> excuse me, someone squirted some like red ink all over the page. It's like, yeah, we'll just leave it like that. I'm not gonna give it any sort of texture. Because yeah, I feel like if they gave it a little bit of inking, as yeah. well, yeah, yeah, seemed like I mean, like like Carnage, like when Carnage does it, and people ink his wet goo that comes off him, just needs just needs a little bit of definition is probably the best way to put it, right? But yeah, yeah. But otherwise, I, I quite enjoy this. Um, it didn't feel too heavy. Uh, it didn't feel too light. It was kind of fun, as as you mentioned. The artwork was maybe some of the tightest stuff we've seen from McCone. And um, sort of interesting to have to have this other team pop back up again, uh, and sort of tie this thread in. And um, yeah, it's not not a bad issue. No. What do you think about the potential for Rachel to uh, hook up with Franklin Richards? And do you think that would create one of the most powerful beings ever? Well, um, in that. Isn't in Days of Future Past? God, now my memory's gonna have to work. I'm sure they are together. Or, or, are they? Or there's like, there's not, it's sort of implied that they might be, or they like each other. Um, they totally will hook up. Why not? It's better than hooking up with Nightcrawler. Um, <laughs> yeah. But not in this, not, not in this reality, uh, not in the new reality, because obviously Franklin's a child and Rachel's not. Um, right. If she ever right. goes back to her, if she's ever sent back to her um, future. Um, <laughs> Then, then maybe that's one thing the Xbox should do: send everyone that's from the fucking future back to the future. <laughs> Not just send everyone from the past back to the past. They should do both and be done with it. No more Cable, no more Bishop, no more anyone that's sure. ever been. At, I, I, at this I, point I, in in Fantastic Four, is is uh, Franklin an adult? Because he does come back from the future as an adult at some point. Um. At this point, what in modern times? Or at this point in exile, in uh, uh, like I don't know, <laughs> like in early two thousands. In the early two thousands, is Franklin a kid? Is he uh, like a teenager or or what? Do I you have know? no idea. I yeah. have no idea. I feel like he might be older because I remember he was like kidnapped as a kid in the nineties by onslaught. But then there's that huge period of time where I didn't read much Fantastic Four. Right. Uh, he's a kid at the moment, isn't he? Now he's like I don't know thirteen or something eleven something like that, uh, but uh, but Was yeah. Was he sent away? Well, haven't they like retconned the Future Foundation just recently, like just sent them away? Like we don't, I don't want to use these characters. Bye. Yeah, it does like, feel like Slot was like they're gonna go on their own journey, uh, which is kind of odd, but uh, 
<laughs> yeah, anyway, I'm just trying to like rectify my mind where Franklin Richards is at this point. Uh, not not like current timeline, but time that this exile issue, issue came out. Where, where was he? He maybe because there's a time where he's with he's with the Gen X kids, isn't he? Um, being looked mm-hmm. after. But is that now? I don't feel like that's now. I think he's probably just he's probably not even in the books to be honest. Because right. there was often times where they just ignored the children. Yeah. Okay. People don't like writing children apparently. <laughs> Well, that was Exiles number eleven. Uh, not a, not bad. No, I'm sorry. That's Exiles number twelve. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's because it's Excalibur number eleven. That's why you go. Excalibur number eleven, and there's our segue from 1988. Although we've probably passed 1988 at this point. Um, so uh, issue number eleven. Uh, Excalibur, blame it on Phoenix. Uh, it says on the cover, as we have Rachel flying in front of them with the Phoenix blasting out, and some versions of the Excalibur team sort of in the foreground, all in shadowy black, uh, shielding their eyes from this blast. Um, what do you think of this cover, Dan? I don't know. I have to think about it, to be honest. You know, it was uh, released in August 1989, this issue. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's kind of weird. Like, it took me a t- it took me five minutes, five, literally five minutes, to fig- figure out that that red energy was actually from Rachel and not some sort of fire monster trying to kill them all. Yeah. Um, Blame it on the Phoenix. Blame what on on the Phoenix? Like generally, I don't know what's happening. She doesn't really, not really do anything bad in this issue. <laughs> yeah. In fact, Nothing she kind of really saves happens. them all, so I don't get it. Nothing happens on the cover either. Like it's nicely coloured. Yeah. Point. I mean, that's but the that's best why. thing you could say about it. Yes. All right then. Well, let's skip that cover because I don't need to look at that anymore. All right. So. Uh, this issue of Excalibur, we have Chris Claremont as the writer, Marshall Rogers as guest penciler, uh, Terry Austin as the guest inker, Todd Klein as letterer, Glennis Oliver as colorist, Terry Kavanaugh as the editor, Tom DeFalco as the prime minister, apparently, and uh, they, they shout out the creators, Chris Claremont and Alan Davis. So I'm, I'm assuming that this prime minister jab is just another way of them trying to say editor and uh a cheeky joke at, at the UK, which I don't really, it doesn't really fly with me. I don't get it. No. Um, if they'd give anyone else like cabinet posts or something, that would have been <laughs> funny. But it's oddly, Tom Rafal goes the prime minister. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> jumping off of that, uh, we have Rachel and uh, Shadowcat returning back to. Their lighthouse after uh, the havoc that ensued of them taking on the Nazi Excaliburs. Um, and as they're flying back, everyone's remarking uh, at uh, our two heroes flying by. And in the crowd is Nigel Frobisher, who recently lost a bet, a very high priced bet, to what's her name? Courtney. Um, let's go, Courtney. Courtney Ross. Who may or may not still be the same Courtney Ross or possessed or something, 
Uh, that yes. hopefully will be explained later. But she said he needs to be there by 9 o'clock. He needs to be in her office by the stroke of 9. And he's late. And Big Ben chimes. And so he's racing up this uh, department, uh, this office building. And the elevator closes. So then he has to like run up the stairs. And he's huffing. And he's puffing. And he's falling. And he makes it to the top. And he bumps into who I thought was Rachel for a second. Um, <laughs> this woman in, in almost like a Star Trek pant- skirt suit. She has this weird like yeah. symbol on her white suit. Uh, who knocks him over? Uh, she helps him up. The uh, receptionist is like, "Were you partying, Mister?" And he's like, "No, I've been pacing all all weekend. I'm sort of oh, this bet. It's in my head." And she's like, "I understand. Uh, you know, go right in. Miss Ross will see you." And he steps in, and Miss Ross, in either the sexiest or the most like ferocious panel of the book, says, "You're late." <laughs> She's she's wearing like mayonnaise on her face for some reason. <laughs> in, like a, in like a tea shape. Yeah. I don't get it. Don't... Is that a makeup regime <laughs> regime that she's doing? <laughs> right. So um, one thing I will point out um, is that there's a I, I really like um, uh, Glynis Oliver. I do, but there's um, this weird. I don't know if it's a misprint, but it feels like carries that fully coloured in. There's a lot of like white, especially in the first page. Yeah. Right. So from his hair, the top of his hair is like a skunk white piece on mine, and there's like a white zigzag on his face. And I'm like, is what is that? What's that supposed to be? And then can we just address the first panel, which is ugly? But Rachel is just hor- like I. Oh yeah. It's just horrible. Horrible I, art. I, yeah, definitely. We need to talk about Roger's uh, pencils here um, because it definitely doesn't look like Rachel. And she's got, I don't know, giant, like, torpedo boobs jutting out into, like, perpendicular angles here as she's flying, which is odd. And Katie doesn't, Katie doesn't look any better. It's like those, those breasts just look like meat sacks. Like, they look like they've been filled and the filling is, like, swaying at the bottom. There's nothing, nothing inside it, really. Yeah, yeah. It's just really horrible. Um, I don't understand how Fabish's face sort of morphs to some sort of feral-like, rat-like creature in one panel, then normal, then weird. Yeah, anyway. Moving on. Well, yeah, we miss Alan Davis, for sure. Yes. There, there are a couple panels that I do like, uh, like the one where he's uh, putting his hand through his hair, and, you know, no matter what you say about this guy's um, pencils, I, I feel like he does get the emotions on the face quite nicely uh, sometimes. So we yes, hear, he yeah, I mean, we, we see like the fright on his face and Ross's anger is, you know, really apparent here. So there are a couple, couple things we can still praise uh, Rogers for here. Oh, yeah, it's not like terrible. It's just the, it's just um, the first couple of panels. I was like, uh, mm. what's happening? Um, if everyone's... Yep. So then we see Phoenix and Kitty arrive back at the lighthouse and we're reminded that the last time they were there... Phoenix has shot out the top uh, in some kind of rage and rearranged a lot of molecules of clothing, etc., and left Kitty in a baby's outfit. Uh, and so they sort of rehashed that. And this this sort of is the start of Kitty being kind of jealous of Rachel again, uh, being grown up, having a grown up body, um, and the sort of frustrations between the two. Uh, and then 
Suddenly, Ilyana's soul sword is sitting in a rock outside of the lighthouse, Excalibur style, which, um, sure. I mean, this stuff suddenly happens, that's fine. And, uh, yeah, it feels like, feel like really out of nowhere. Yeah, which part, part of me is like, yeah, the, what? And the other part's like, yeah, let's just embrace this Excalibur thing all the way. Like, part of me is all for it. Except, and then she just randomly has it, didn't she, in, in, in um, Inferno. She just randomly had it. Yeah. And now it's back, randomly. I do like her trying to pull it with the Phoenix Force. <laughs> I think those panels are quite fun. Yeah, but like Excalibur, only the Chosen can pull this sword from the stone. And so Kitty's like, I'm just going to leave it there. I don't like that sword anyway. It's too many bad memories. And uh, they go inside to find that Lockheed is, I guess, unconscious because the evil kitty had, uh, I guess, ghost-faced through him uh, maybe two issues ago. And uh, he's been sort of laying unconscious for a long time, which is really unhealthy for you. That can cause a lot of brain damage. So <laughs> uh, Maybe he's hibernating or something. I mean, sure. Uh, then we cut back to Ross, who is wearing what I would consider inappropriate clothing in a business setting because her skirt is slit on the side and goes all the way up to the hip. Um, <laughs> it's like vying for Emma Frost-esque um, yeah. fashion, fashion designs. Yep. And she's like, you owe me money, mister. And he's like, but uh, you can't make me. And she's like, oh, I mean, everyone saw your reputation will be ruined. And he says, I can't pay. She's like, that's okay. You're mine, boy. You're going to do what I say. And he, he gets kind of a smile and he feels like things are going to be okay and then she like slaps him and magically puts a <laughs> ring on his, his ear at the same time which <laughs> I don't quite get but was hilarious. Is is the symbol just, of this earring mean anything? Uh, Prince? I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, I do love the, the final panel where it's just shadowed out face and just has smile and eyes. Oh yeah. Uh, it's yeah. so sinister. It's great <laughs> evil. And then we also see that she's going to hire uh, Gatecrasher and her technets. And I want to bring up, because uh, my continuity in my head is starting to get all discombobulated. Did Gatecrasher come in earlier in the series? Or am I just thinking yeah, of yeah. when they appeared in gold? No, no. They're, they're, from, they're from here. They came, they came in really early on. So, yeah, they did. So we did see them earlier. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great, great, great. Because I remember they were in uh, Mr. and Mrs. X for a second, which was a nice throwback. Okay, so they're going to hire them again. And then we cut back to the lighthouse where Professor Stewart decided he was just going to stop by because he's sort of creepily stalking Rachel uh, <laughs> in uh, a gale storm, uh, which isn't creepy at all. And Rachel, <laughs> Rachel answers the door in fishnets. And a low-cut, uh, I don't know, outfit, just because that's what you wear when you're lounging around your place. And he is... That's what Claremont, that, obviously, yeah. that's what Claremont, Claremont wears when he yeah. was lounging around the place. Oh, sure. I just love the face, the fact that when Stuart sees Rachel, he is, like, obviously smitten. Like, he has this, like, giant grin on his face as we see him from the side. And as You know, he's sort of drowning in the rain here, and he is just in love with all of Rachel's curves. <laughs> so she brings him in she dries him off uh, they have some banter he's like totally totally smitten with her 
uh, Kitty is like, oh, look who it is. And he, of course, he's only into Rachel. He'll never be into me. I'm too young. I don't have, like, adult body yet. Oh, I can't handle this. Um, she offers to sort of make some soup um, for Stuart to help him warm up. And he drops off this turtle head whose name is Widget. And do are we the only one that knows this at the point? Um, yeah, I think we were the only ones that know it's called Widget. Um, for Kitty to sort of take a look at. And if you see Kitty walk next to Stuart, she looks like she's 11 years old. She's so short here. <laughs> well, um, Stuart's like a monster. Yeah. <laughs> like... So they sort of continue this tension that's been going on between... It's more in Kitty's head than anything, uh, her and Rachel, about uh, boys, I guess, in, in growing up, which was odd. Uh, then we jump to the Tower of London, uh, where the evil Nazi Excalibur is being captured, when suddenly uh, the evil Nightcrawler jumps into the room of Brigadier Alessandra Stewart, who is uh, Professor Stewart's twin sister, and he decides he's just going to like rape her. Um, and she's gonna like love her afterward, love him afterward, which was the creepiest thing ever. Uh, and uh, but lo and I don't behold, mean to, I don't mean to laugh. It's just the matter of factness of it all. That that's it's just it's insane. Yeah, oh, it's totally. Most... <laughs> um, but luckily, uh, this wasn't Stuart's sister. This was Megan in disguise because we're doing that trick again, and she throws him through a wall. Which is one of maybe her changing panels here are two of the worst panels of the book because I don't know who this person is supposed to be because that's not Megan. I don't know what it, that is. <laughs> is that, so there's a panel where Megan's supposed to be pulling the door frame up, but it looks like a portrait rather than an actual panel. Like yeah, an actual thing. It just looks like there's a portrait of Megan with a door in her hands. There is. I love Blade Runner, the original movie, and I know there are like problematic points to that movie, uh, which you know we can discuss or not discuss uh, on this podcast at a different time. But what I want to bring up is uh, during the the part where Deckard is fighting Pris, she does a lot of like acrobatic like jumps and stuff, and it's yeah. obviously not a woman doing it; it's a male stuntman doing a lot of that. And that's what yeah. these two panels of Megan fighting off Nightcrawler feel like. It feels like a male stuntman in a wig uh, is is throwing Nightcrawler because that's the way that Megan is drawn here. It looks, it looks like off. <sighs> it is bad. <laughs> so, okay, uh, the good. The, let's get some more good stuff. Nightcrawler decides he's gonna bamp through the door, but he after. Uh, Bamping out the other side, he slams right into Captain Britain, who's in his Fantastic Four outfit, and um, sort of breaks his back against Captain Britain. <laughs> it doesn't look like he dies. Yeah. I kind of feel like hitting the wall would have been less hurtful than slamming against, like, superhuman uh, bones. But whatever. Um, we, we realized that our Nightcrawler uh, sort of thought this might happen. So he alerted the rest of the team, and they stopped these evil Nazis. So hooray for Nightcrawler! Um, we're going to come to a panel which I despise because the way the fart bubble is done. Um, Kitty's phased through the oh. uh, <laughs> light, and looking down. And at first, I thought there were steps, 
like little climb holes, mm-hmm. hang, hanging holes on the lighthouse, but it's just literal parts of the thought bubble process. Um, no, that's terrible. Yes, it's, it's literally terrible. It's odd. So we see that uh, Stuart is outside with Rachel, and he's he's like trying to talk to this this girl and reach kitty sees them she gets upset she's like i don't have any sexy clothes i need to find some sexy clothes to to steal this man back and so she borrows some of rachel's clothes which oddly fit somehow i don't (laughs) i don't know how that works but then she gets upset and like anger faces through the clothes uh which caused them to go flying which is one of the weirdest things ever (laughs) get that panel and then um, magically she's randomly, yeah. Randomly, this takes her to like an animal kingdom, um, and she's <laughs> she's buck naked, and uh, there are like animal Excalibur people there looking at her, uh, and she's like, "What's all these animals? Oh, that's me. Am I like a wildebeest in like this uh, kingdom?" She, she sort of faces back right in front of Stuart and Rachel, still buck naked. And then we get maybe the worst colored panel of the page, which is Kitty in like dull red face makeup with the brightest like just like let me put my thumb in red ink and like splotch it on each of her cheeks to show that she's blushing. I don't like this panel at all. There's um this entire sequence is just yeah. It's weird. <laughs> So she phases down into the uh, bottom of the, uh, like, down the floor, and um, she's upset. Stuart eventually leaves, and we get more of, like, Engineer Kitty, who's looking at Widget, trying to figure out what's happening. She gets upset. Rachel's like, hey, the the rest of Excalibur needs us. Um, And uh, Widget falls off the table, starts eating some things, um, and uh, which causes Kitty to get upset. Then back in the north of England, they're about to send the Nazis back. And Kitty's uh, really angry. Uh, Lockheed notices something, drops down on this train that the evil uh, Excalibur came in on, which causes the train engine to sort of go invisible. And we see that it's powered by their version of Lockheed, which is like a giant, giant regular-sized dragon. Uh, what, what did you think of this reveal? I think it, it made sense. It made, it's kind of cute. And, well, not cute. It's, it's a horrific concept in that it can save an animal to uh, <laughs> an but I thought it was kind of interesting because we didn't see Lockheed's Nazi version. Right. Um, and it was an interesting sort of reveal. And it just makes them even more evil. Yeah. That they would imprison such a creature. So they've been talking this whole issue of like, how can we trust these Nazis? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but uh, eventually the military is like, we've got to send them back. Kitty goes to set down Widget, and Widget sneaks off into this train uh, to, I guess, sort of munch down. Uh, then we get uh, a panel that is only dialogue of Kitty and Megan. Um, <laughs> Alrighty. Your descriptions are on point, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, they, they're like, okay, we can open these, these portals to send people back, but the trains, it's going to take too much energy to send the train. So they leave each train in each reality. And as the Nazis get on the other side, they decide they're going to throw a grenade back through because they don't give a F about any sort of deals. Um, Phoenix jumps in front of this uh, grenade, which is actually a, a nuke grenade, because <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, 
which causes Widget to like absorb a bunch of energy and a train to disappear. And they're not sure if, if Excalibur is dead or not, but this is the start of their time caper and uh, end of the issue. So, Dan, what did you think overall? Well, there is a panel in the issue that definitely seems offended that there's artwork in it. Um, <laughs> but I think it's... Right, so um, Excal- Excalibur is often messy, like, narratively, but in, like, a beautiful, mind-boggling way, which yes. usually tickles, like, literally hits the right buttons and manages to still tell a story coherently even though what's going on is absolutely madness and we're going to get a lot of that very soon yeah um but this is just it's like almost like um tying up everything as as quick as they can with like the nazis and everything just get those stories done uh set up this whole idea that kitty's upset now because she likes boys more and Rachel gets more boys, right. which is just a really weird man thing to write. No offense to straight men. Um, it just feels like it's written by an old man. And um, I don't know. The sequence where she's naked and because she's like exploded the clothes off. Like the seeing the other other um, animal kingdoms fine, but it, like the joke goes on for far too long. Yeah, and then that's you know. Uh, and just some like we're not even talking about the art. Like some of the, the sequences, like when um, they're at the lighthouse with the, the rain, and you come the thingy, the detective who I just literally forgot his name um, comes, and it's like a really nice sequence between him and Rachel. And like I do like the sequence between Courtney and Fabricia, and mm-hmm. you know her just like, slapping people about because uh, that's how you put earrings on. Um, <laughs> Next guy there. I like the reveal of Lockheed. I've actually got a pinup which I will take a picture of and send you, uh, Georgie, of Lockheed being feed, fed by Nazi Callisto. Oh, nice. Um, which was at the end of, of, of the issue for me. Uh, Rachel doesn't do anything, so the cover lies. Um, I feel like Megan, as always, Megan and Captain Byrne and Nightcrawler are peripheral characters in this one. Yes. Um, and it is just that. A really convoluted way to what he wanted to do in the beginning, which was pay off the widget thing that's been happening since day one. Yes, and send them onto the 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 legendary, quote unquote, infamous maybe uh, cross time caper, um, which is which is going to be a hell of a ride. We're going to hit. I think artistically there is really good panels, and then there's really bad panels. Yeah, it's like really. Yeah. Uh, the needle never stops, whether it's going to be good or bad. It feels as random as the as, as the narrative. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, yeah, his Captain not... Britain almost never looks good to me. No. Uh, especially, you know, his characters from far away become. I know it's hard to get details, especially in this this era. But when there's any distance, it it really looks like just random, like really sketchy. Hard to make out characters, which I I really don't don't like. He's more of a portrait um, dude than because um, I don't know. And just some of the panel panel work, the panel layouts are a bit messy, and I think the panel layouts are slaved, like enslaved by the dialogue. Yeah, if the dialogue has been um, 
And this is a, the second time the series has done this. And it's the second time, you know, it's done this to the detriment of, of, of the way it visually looks. Is that It feels like the, the priority was putting the words on the page and not trying to put a co- cohesive sort of reading mm-hmm. through line. So you'll have that panel, which is just, is horrendous, where it's just Megan and Kitty. It's like, we, they're talking, so we have to have them in the panel. You might as well just not have them there. Like, um, they might as well not be in that panel. They might as well just be the writing as a block of writing. Yeah. And it, it happens all the way through. Like, the, the writing just, that panel where she's thinking, and, and it has to be in there, so the floppable basically looks like it's a staircase. Um... It's madness. There's this little uh, panel where, where Kitty is sort of talking to Widget, and I, I do like sort of the color, like the shadow color work and how intensely she's thinking about it, but the top half of that panel is also all dialogue, which seems really, really unnecessary. It's like color work. As always, I'm, I'm a stickler for Oliver. Uh, I think she does a really good work most of the time, mm-hmm. but like she's sort of fallen in love with the like white space it seems mm. um or maybe she just works better with davis as an artist there's a lot of like pale colors and a lot of white and it's making a very bland background yeah yeah unfortunately totally different to her color work in the pre like previous issues she's been in which her color work was just astonishing in places yeah, you know, maybe you know some of that's on the penciler as well, because just just flipping back through this, there's a lot of just blank spaces in the background here with his artwork. Um, True. There's a lot of it. So, yeah, not, as a colorist, you're kind of hamstrung, like what you're gonna do with that, I guess. Because, um, to be absolutely honest, I can't turn around because uh, Alan, Alan Davis isn't here. Um, that's why it's it's not a particularly strong read. I think Claremont is a lot to blame as well because it's quite a mess mm. there's interesting moments but then he like undercuts it with these weird sort of pervy <laughs> ideas and like things just happen because it has to happen because we need it tied up and done before we start other things we can't yeah. possibly have like i'm done with that idea no more nazis i'm done with that idea sort of thing yeah yeah for sure in a, in a way there you go. Oh well. Well, at least it's it's the start to something I think more memorable and more enjoyable uh, on the whole part, uh, rather on the whole. So um, that hopefully uh, starting uh, next issue we'll we'll enjoy this book a little bit more. Not that this was like a terrible issue, but uh, you know it's not up to standard. Pretty much. All right. Well, it looks like are we getting uh, Alan Davis back next issue? I think he comes back, yes. Great. For a long, great, great, a long great. Time. Alrighty. Well, that was Excalibur number 11. And now we're going to move on to our final book, which is Exiles number 10. Yes. Um, storytellers, Saladin Ahmed and Javier Rodriguez. Alvaro Lopez is Inca. Uh, Munza Vicente is colorist, uh, Feces Joe Carmania is letterer, and the cover is by David Nakayama. And the reca- now we have re- recap page art by Mike McCone. There you go. <laughs> um, I love this cover mainly because of the concept of it. Um, the idea that 
they're being sucked into a lion's lamp. Oh, yeah. I think and this is the second cover in a row that's pretty gorgeous. I love the colour work. That super anime cutesy um, Captain America, I now want a super cutesy anime Captain America spin <laughs> off. Um, I think I think the Doom Doom is just looks fantastic. Uh, my only criticism is the two men perhaps too much free space, but mm, mm, mm. that's a small criticism. A small criticism. What do you think? No, agreed. I I love especially the color work. Um, I I feel like the the anime cap is kind of a little bit out of place here. And that the other yeah. women don't quite have that same face, so that that might be a s- small sticking point to me. Um, but otherwise, I just love this this cover. Uh, the, the previous cover uh, that he did was um, Clarice on the the magic carpet, which was also gorgeous. So um, the more covers that he's going to do, the happier I'll be. Yes. All right. So who do we have? Uh, oh, we, we did our creators already. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was quick. I was quick. Um, so um, we start off with all of our exiles shocked and aghast. Um, Clarice, TJ, you know, in little mini mini panels, um, which reminds me of the Brady Bunch, which is hilarious. And I'm still not sure about how TJ looks um, at the moment. But yes, they're all shocked that it's um Caliph Doom uh Doctor Doom or whatever you want to call him. And <laughs> I forgot Wolfie says we came from the moon. Um oh. on the next panel Wolverine declares a uh, little Wolverine declares that they all came from the moon, which is just the best thing in the world. <laughs> and uh Doom is all like, I'm going to beat you because he's Doom. A fight ensues and there's loads of um Doom bots jump into the fray and we have lots of panels now of um our heroes fighting the doom bots um there's a really sort of i'm i'm going quick because uh it's basically just a massive fight scene um i do like the panel with the whole like sort of basically the whole team there and uh, minus a few where they're just kicking and Wolverine just looks like he's going crazy um with um Black Panther and... Oh, it's not... King, sorry. Not Black mm-hmm. Panther. King and Captain America and such off. And then they're basically getting overwhelmed until the magic carpet appears. Blink blinks them onto the magic carpet and they fly to safety. And they fly to like a little mini oasis in the middle of nowhere and they're discussing their situation when... Uh, the sort of black cat thief and the, the Doctor Strange of this reality sort of appear. They end up teaming up with those guys because um, they all want to defeat Doom in a fantastic panel of Wolvie running across sort of the rooftops like Aladdin would while the rest of our exiles are just walking down. I love how Doctor, Doctor Strange's, Strange's cape is like a cloud was, behind him. Yes, I was about to say that. Doctor Strange's cape is fantastic. Um... I really like the design of uh, Black Cat as well in this. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have Doom being sort of given or being shown sort of wonders and delights. And he's finally found the thing that everyone was worried about him finding. And he appears to our heroes with Mephisto, um, 
who holds him in his holds Doom in his hand. Um, that Mephisto panel is just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Doom's proper like right. Everyone's gonna die because he is literally one note Doom in this book. There's no, there's no other Doom. There's only Mad Tyrant, Death Doom. Uh, Mephisto conjures up a bunch of robot dog things. I don't know what they are. They look like those things in Turtles. What they call rat catchers. Um, oh yeah, what are they called? Oh, I know what you're talking about. And so we have another massive fight scene. Uh, Blink is like, right, I've got a plan, and blinks his goes to get the ring and blinks his hat, bling, blinks his hand off. That was harder to say than it seemed. Um, <laughs> and um, Mephisto decides to turn, you know, he decides to torture Doom instead. Uh, with um, his his mum, and then he just dis- Mephisto just goes back into the ground, and Doom goes with him. It would seem, and now that everything's sort of sorted, TJ decides to stay behind because she's supposed to be the queen right. of the place, and she said she was thinking like she's done with this life, and that she decides to stay here because um, she could maybe do more good here than out on the road. And that come, you know, I might end up in the book again at some point. And then the exiles journey forth and land in a place which apparently, which familiarly looks like Jersey. And then, boom, uh, we seem to have Grizzled Khan back with a whole bunch of exiles. So, once again, we have another team of exiles appearing, which I thought was just surprisingly... Yeah, apropos, <laughs> considering the other Exiles issue that we read. But who are the, the, the team members this time? Right, so obviously we've got Crystal Khan. Uh, we have like an undead skeleton four. Um, we have, it could, X-23 with a scar down her face. Um, we've got Kang, who sort of is in more of an armored form as well. We've got like a, a hulky sort of Captain America, and I have no idea what's going on with that Black Panther-esque character, but he's got a giant fist. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that's our other Exiles team. Yep. And that's how we end. Yeah. So we kind of blew through the, the story here. Not that there's a whole lot of story to tell. Uh, I think visually, this is an issue that uh, the story is, is told through the visuals because it's it's really just a giant fight uh, most of the time. But uh, what, what did you think of the artwork here? I think the artwork, it's good that the artwork is as good as it is because I think the, the sort of story sort of, doesn't, sort of weirdly slams on the brakes yeah, and then takes a random turn and then just ends. And then we have a cliffhanger for this other... Sort of other um, Story to start, mm-hmm. the next story to start, and I right. feel like it. It felt like um, the Arabian Nights has just been cut, cut short. Um, like the dialogue is fun. There's some fun, playful moments. Like I said, will be our continu- content continues to crack me up. But artistically, it's worked out. I think it's probably the most traditional panel layouts we've seen from um, Rodriguez. Um, There's still a couple of panel layouts that really I really enjoyed, especially the, the first the first page that, oh yeah, like 
has just like little cutout figureheads, but they sort of get like rearranged as we move down the story. Like clearly she's appear on the right and then she's on the left and then she's on the right again. And just like little eyepieces pop up. It was, it was kind of interesting in a way that I didn't notice the first time through. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with the fact that it's more traditional, but it does feel bizarrely more traditional. Mm-hmm. When I thought a story like this would be a little bit more outlandish, because like in the last sure. issue, we really went for it. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And there are some of your signature layouts here, and th- like the Mephisto panel is just astonishing. Um, Great colors. Oh yeah, is just mind-blowingly brilliant. Um, I think. On the whole, as always, it's got so much to offer, and as always, we say, keep reading it over and over again. I think um, the visuals outwin the, out, outweigh the story this time uh, by quite a margin. Usually, I, I always think they're similar-ish, with right. the visuals always being on top, but I think the visuals really do help sell everything. The fight scenes are quite fun, um, and because of the vibrant colours, they all kind of just... Uh, pop you get to like look at panels for quite some time i think there's some moments where they don't seem as defined mm-hmm. as they usually are but um i feel like kind of like the rest of the issue it feels more like it, it's run out of steam yes that sounds really yes. horrible it sounds like it sounds really horrible it's right it still looks better than pretty much any other book uh marvel's putting out like it's it's there with some of like the good ones like there's only a handful that don't look terrible um, all the time, but um, this is like one of the best books on visually on the market, and it's, the story wasn't bad. It's just it feels like there's something has been pulled completely out of it. Yeah, it, as, as you mentioned, it does feel like like a sudden stop and a quick right turn onto something else. Where you know the, the issues, rather the story is just kind of picking up, and it's like, nope, we are done with this one. And which is kind of disappointing because if you needed more more time, we had that other issue uh, with them just like chilling on the moon that we could have scrapped and let this story sort of expand out a little bit more. So that's a little bit disappointing. Exactly. And I think um, having TJ in it now feels more exploitative to mm-hmm. old fans mm-hmm. than anything else. It's just been like, all right, I'm staying here now. Um, it feels like almost as if um, Ahmed doesn't want to, maybe didn't want her in the book, or did, but isn't allowed to use her anymore. Right. Or it's like she, um, she's brought in and then she's just thrown away. Because the whole mystery at one point was, are we going to see the other exiles? Because they keep visiting Clarice. And we sort of got that answered. And then um, obviously Morph passed away. We don't know what happened. Really happened to Sabretooth. Yeah, he kind of walked uh, off into the the what the ice. <laughs> we didn't see him. <laughs> that was odd. <laughs> and, and, and not that I want TJ to constantly be here. I think she does probably deserve a break. But um, sure. it just feels more like it feels more like it doesn't feel more like a story decision. No, it feels very arbitrary. Like, I'm here. I'm stopping here because um, I'm not allowed to be in the rest of the yeah the book. And I don't know how I feel about Khan's return. If it is, is it, the same it's one. the same one, though, right? That's the question. Yeah. So I don't know how I feel about it, if it is the same one or not. Hmm. I feel like her death was um, good. It was a solid sort of exile death. Yeah. 
But, you know, one of the uh, Kangs is on the team, so maybe that has something to explain about it. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I, 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 I agree. The story is kind of ho-hum here. Um, part of that is because it's really just an action book, um, and part because it just decides to end. Um, but I do want to talk about Mephisto a little bit because I, I really enjoyed that Ahmed pulled this part out of Doctor Doom's past because that is part of his past that he sort of learned magic to free his mother who was trapped in hell. Yep. Um, so to like bring that up in a creative way here was I, I sort of enjoyed that like nod to continuity. And anytime you can get this art team drawing Mephisto, you probably should. <laughs> Because that that full page of him uh, holding um, Doom in the palm of his hand with like this desert in flames underneath him is unbelievably gorgeous. So, you know, it's, as you mentioned, the artwork, it's not the best we've seen from this book, but it's still quite gorgeous. Um, Yeah, I I always try... I, when I say it's not good, I'm like, oh wait, I need to put it in context of like. Yeah, no, no, it's like saying we've been hitting like tens uh, from this art team, and so if this is just an eight, it's it's slightly disappointing, but it's not like a. By no means is this bad artwork. No. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'm kind of interested to see what's up with this this new Exiles team uh, next issue. Uh, if, if is that. Laura, or is that Gabby, given the scars? Um, yeah. What's going on with this Captain America, Hulky? I almost wanted to call him like a uh, bizarro uh, Captain America here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, what, I, what I don't like, and we get to take a look at this next cover, which I, I, you know, I still... I still enjoy, but I'm kind of done with this, like, throwback to old covers. Um, this is kind of an homage to the Days of Future Past with a bunch of characters sort of, like, erased and only one left and being hunted. And, you know, flip opening Marvel Unlimited today was kind of a pain. Sometimes it's a pain to get it to work, and you have to scroll through a bunch of stuff. And seeing the same covers being homaged again and again and again in a number of series, it's just like, uh, it's very tiring. Like, I don't need to see, how many times do we have to see the Gene and Scott against the world, uh, like Dark Phoenix Saga cover, where, where they're, they're arm in arm on the moon. Like, we don't need to see that cover again. We've seen that done. I would say probably... Every day. Yeah, like 30 times at least by now. Or the There's a Future Past cover. We've seen that enough. Like, we have the homages already. Let's let's do something different. Um, which is, that was my cover rant. Sorry. But um, <laughs> all in all, I really still do enjoy this book. I'm really happy that even if the story was kind of ho-hum this time, that everyone involved with the book is on the book. And I hope it, it gets to continue. Um, so unless you have anything else you want to bring up about it, maybe you want to rate this thing? Um, yes. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a three. Eee. Three out of five? Um, yeah, three out of five. Yeah. Um, boy. I mean, for me, it's, I thought, not a, it's not a five. 
I feel I like felt th- bad saying that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You said it, and I'm like, I don't want to give this a three. <laughs> but I'm also like, I'm not sure if it deserves a four. Uh, so I'm going to, I don't know if we, we have strict rules, but I'll give it a 3.5 because I just, <laughs> part of that is just me feeling like sad saying this is only a three out of five book. Um, but looking forward to seeing the next issue. Uh, kudos to all involved. And uh, awesome. So those are our three issues uh, for this week. Uh, I think next, uh, next time we're looking to do something special. We're going to cover, what, what is it called, Dan? Mojo Mayhem, Excalibur's Mojo Mayhem, as our like, Christmas episode or New Year episode or whichever, whenever we get it out um, episode. And is that just like one issue? Is that a number of issues? Yeah. It's, just one, it's just one big old, like, it's like a special. Uh-huh. Is it like uh, how many pages, though? Oh, God. Um, is, it, is it longer than a normal issue? Yes, it is longer than a normal issue. Okay. so It, it feels longer than it. They used to sell it in an actual trade. Right, okay. So we may right. just only cover that our next episode is what I'm trying to get at. Yes. But, you know, not? that'll be fun. Some Excalibur. All right. Do we know who the, who's the creative team on that? Um, is Chris Claremont and um, Art, Dave, Art Adams. Okay. Okay. That'd be nice. I love how you're, you're not sure. <laughs> I like how unsure you are. Well, well you, you started saying with an A. I was like, oh, all right, Alan Davis is back. And you said someone else. So I was like, oh, well, that could that could still be good, I guess. Who you mentioned. It's, it's, it's apparently like 50 pages long. Wow. All right, then. We could be... Uh, yeah, that's going to be just... We might just be covering that then. I want to do a deep dive. Um, deep dive into it. Good times. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, that'll probably be our next uh, episode. Uh, there's, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about, and it's really not related to anything we normally discuss at all. But the reviews for Into the Spy- Spider-Verse have been coming out. Uh you know, we've, we're getting like critical reviews as well as people in the comics industry who got to go to the premiere, you know, social media reviews, etc. Um, and they've all come back like really good. Uh, I, I don't, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is not a benchmark for me because I think people misunderstand how that algorithm works. When, when something has a high percentage, that's not like a, a rating. That's the percentage of critics that enjoyed it. So... Their enjoyment, I think, is anyone who rates it like six out of ten or above. So if if you know uh, a movie has like an eighty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, that means eighty-five percent of the critics who saw it felt it was, you know, ah, that's okay or better, which is hard to, you know, sort of wrap your head around because uh, it's it's very vague. Um, but uh, that being said. Last time I checked, which was yesterday, Into the Spider-Verse had 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which wow. that in and of itself is uh, is kind of stunning because everyone who saw it liked it in some degree, which is nice. Um, but uh, Metacritic, which is more of the, you know, if you're going to go to aggregate sites, is the one I would more trust uh, for this sort of thing. Also has this somewhere in the, I want to say the mid-80s. So we've got 83 here. Um, and it's labeled a must-see. So, uh, and that's an actual grade. So that would be like a, a B. Uh, 
which anything in the 80s on Metacritic is, is generally like uh, something definitely worth seeing. And I just wanted to bring that up because I'm super excited to see this movie. I think I'm going to see it a number of times. And I just wanted to like geek out over it with you, Dan, for a second. It's okay. I really want to see it as well. So does everyone that I seem to uh, want to look after. So I'll end up watching it many, many times. So I'm glad it's good. Because if you watch a film that many times, it needs to at least be something. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm, looking, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, uh, I just want to see... Uh, a really cool miles um and obviously as 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 information about it does come out um obviously the spider gwen in it and a lot of others and it actually what's been really nice is i i follow both the creators of spider gwen and uh jason and um bobby rodriguez and yeah. they are sort of seemingly over which is kind of bizarrely cute they're seemingly overwhelmed by this idea that like so many years ago that it was just a one-shot like pitch Right. And then forty issues later, there's a movie. Yeah. Um, and now there's talk of a spinoff was... of having like female spider characters only, which, you know, obviously Spider Gwen would probably be a big part of that. It's kind of amazing as well, right? Yeah, pretty much. And it's just nice because Miles has been a great addition uh, to, and I, I do hope it is just. I know everyone else is in it, but I do hope he is. He is just. It is his movie, in a sense. He's um, the focus, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's not just overshadowed by slightly jaded Peter Parker. Um, <laughs> I do. We shall see. Yeah, I, I really love that uh, Spider-Ham is in this. Uh, I, I love Spider-Ham. I hope he has a, a good couple scenes with Spider-Gwen because they have a kind of a friendly relationship in the books. Um, I, I also like that, that they take a, they've taken a sort of cue out of our, bringing it back to Exiles, out of Exiles where... Um, Everyone at one point was drawn and coloured differently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I like the fact that they've done that uh, with the Spider-Verse. And I do like the fact that it is sort of Spider-Verse-y and ridic- it looks like it's going to be a bit ridiculously. Oh, yeah. Um, so and it, artistically, it looks astonishing. Like, um, I'm really intrigued and interested to look at the process of how it came to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that multiple times. Um, cool. Alrighty. So, Dan, I think we're going to be uh, a little behind the scenes work, but recording with Jason shortly after this. So, you're going to. Yes. That'll be fun to talk about. Uh, well, I mean, hopefully, it'll be fun to talk about, even if it wasn't fun to read some uncanny issues. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tis the season. Yeah, we haven't really been enjoying the Uncanny books, unfortunately. Um, so that's kind of a shame. But uh, we'll be we'll be doing that. So hopefully, you can catch us on Jason's uh, podcast uh, as well. Uh, but where else can they find us? Um, in on Twitter at Excalibur's one, which has all the links to our Podbean. We're on SoundCloud. I believe we're on Stitcher as well, and pretty much. Anyway, you can consume a podcast if you just type in Excalibros. So please come consume us. Yes, yes, come come listen. We are, we are not we are not like regular, um, but we're we're off the way. I assume. I mean, I we're, we're we're regular. We're, we're once a month. <laughs> That's one type of regular, anyway. Yeah, exactly. But yes, that's where you can find us, just Excalibur Rose. Um, I think you can even Google us now, and we will come up. 
always nice. Nice. So, moving on up. It's not some ran- It's not some random porn. Thank God. Um, mm. so I'm sure when I googled it once, it was random porn and about Excalibur. So, with some use, like use, like like some pro Excalibur people. Yeah, use your imagination uh, and where that sword goes. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, other than that. Yes. Only, only, only the chosen can remove this sword from the stone. <laughs> oh God! Um, <laughs> I'm actually now envisioning an entire like pawn sort of opus about King Arthur's legacy. But anyway. Um, oh boy. Wow. Anyway, um, yes, and you can listen to us on Snickcast um, very shortly. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. So, uh, thanks again, and we'll see you shortly uh, covering Mojo World. Nope, that's not it. Mojo. Mojo Jojo. Mayhem. Mojo Mayhem. I wish it was just Mojo Jojo. I'd love to read Mojo Jojo. Um... <laughs> All right. Well, on that wacky, uh, wacky sort of side, side trip, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.